And I was just like, okay, if I become a personal trainer, I'll know how to get abs. And then I learned what it took to get abs. And it's not fun. Like you're hungry all the fucking time. And if you're not hungry all the time, then you're not going to get abs because you're, you're taking away. Our parents away. will laugh at you because they'll be like, why would you want to be hungry? Why, like, why would you? Yeah. Communists always made us hungry. Why would you do <laughs> that to yourself? You know, don't tell her, show her. Your life is all about experiences. It's like, how come the baby doesn't cry? <laughs> the craziest part. She is her happiest. We have come loaded. The Modern Parenting Podcast. We're proud parents. Welcome back to another episode here inside of the Modern Parents Podcast. My name is Lynn Trin. I am, of course, your host, and we have your co-host over here, my lovely wife, Kerry Lee. Partner in life, partner in business, partner in crime. Partner in crime. So <laughs> we've, uh, we've gone in and we've decided to take this a little bit more seriously because if you followed the first two episodes... We have leveled up. We were uh, bright. We were real bright. Yeah, we were Oompa Loompas. We were real bright. So... I'm obviously a blue. Um, Kerry, you decided to go with purple, pink, and then we kind of mashed it together. So, Kbod, what's been happening inside of uh, modern parenting this week? How's the little menace? How is the little menace? <laughs> we hit a milestone yesterday. You probably didn't notice, but for the first time in her life so far, she didn't feed on me for the whole day. She didn't feed on you for the whole day. I know. She went like. So she craved me at 7 p.m. When okay, she, was, so she didn't breastfeed? Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Okay. But she did feed. She ate. <laughs> she ate a lot. She ate about 1,000 calories, you said. I think so. She's almost 11 months. So this is what happened in the world of the menace this week. Well, what is that? What did you get? What did you get? Ooh. 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 <laughs> Ooh. Busy at work packing those tissues. Unpacking those tissues. Yeah. You got enough? Do you want more? Do you want another box? So she's almost 11 months old. And as you can see, I get very excited. That was yesterday afternoon. I was trying to watch uh, Dan Andrews and, and Petter from Sky News take him down. That's something that I've been in. If you guys don't know, we've been in lockdown. I've got, I've got my lockdown hair going. and um, So do I. Yeah, and but it's kind of a little bit different for you. Like... You can't. Well, I don't know how many how many guys here uh, have you have, have noticed that their wives go to a hairdresser, <laughs> and they go in. It's the most expensive haircut ever, and then they finish, True. and the wife comes home, and the wife's like, "Hey, do you notice anything different about me, honey? Do you like my new hair?" And I'm like, "What new hair?" And unless I get a bang, <laughs> unless it's a direct bang, like one of those bowls <laughs> that you put over and you cut it, um, I can't really tell the difference, but. Yeah. Uh, so, Kbod, how's parenting on your end? So, she didn't feed. Yes. So, she didn't feed on me yesterday for the full day. Uh, usually, usually what happens is she will actually grab me in my chest area where... Yeah, she comes pecking at you. Yeah, yeah, she, she does. Like, like, she's like, I, I, I want some. I, mm. I want some. Ah. <laughs> Uh, yesterday she did it, so I just thought, you know what, I'm not going to just reveal myself for you. I didn't today. want to put a booby out, did you? No, I just that's a thought, shame. Just thought I'd, I'd I'd see how it goes, and for the whole day she didn't feed on me. No boobs until night time. Until night time. Yes. How many times did she? We feed? carb coma her on my boob. 
Yeah, it's 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 quite amazing. Kerry's got this little uh, tactic right now where at about 6.30 at night, she will feed O a tremendous amount of food, like stuff her face, and I'm there and I was looking at me going, save me, daddy, please save me, because at 6.45, it's bath time. Um, and O just is so cute. She's got so much food in her mouth. She can't stuff anymore, and Kerry's just stuffing it down because what's the little trick that you noticed? Or what, what's the little secret that you discovered what's the three hacks to getting your baby to sleep at night for 12 hours straight look if i google this this is the google will probably have already told me this already but i've wanted to approach everything that we do intuitively right so i've mm-hmm. i've not googled it i've not blogged it not read anything about it um but what i have found is there are certain foods and and she can't eat yoga at night because that will wake her up during the night. Mm. I can't eat yogurt at night as well, my stomach. But I still eat it anyway. We still <laughs> eat the yogurt. And also ice cream. Yes, and ice cream. Uh, but if I feed her well, a really, really well-fed meal equals a well-slept baby. And um, usually she will dream feed on me six times through the night. And a lot of you guys are probably like, oh, my God, you wake up six times in the night. Actually, I'm pretty much asleep. Just as she is. So, yeah, what are you doing? Like, describe what you're doing when you're asleep with her. Because when I'm lying there, what I see is I see like a, a turntable turning <laughs> from left to right every hour. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like she does that every hour. And I can hear, oh, like, mm-hmm. you know, having a bit of a, a whimper, like she's uncomfortable. And then I hear a turn, like a big whoosh. And then I hear either Bella getting kicked off because Bella sleeps with us. Bella's our little caboodle. She's a fake of Um, But kind of describe that process because that's mm-hmm. like how you've gotten sleep. And I think you've gotten a good amount of sleep. And I think sleep's one of the big issues that, uh, you know, I was worried about because I, I was like, if you don't sleep, if the baby's not sleeping, Kerry's not sleeping, Kerry's not sleeping, uh, I'm not having a good day. So they say happy wife, happy life, but really like, Kerry's well, life wife equals happy life. Yeah, well, your <laughs> life is dependent on how happy O is. Yeah. And so it's really funny when O's not happy, when she's kind of disgruntled, when she's not eating enough, then that affects Kerry. Mm. And then that has a roll-on effect that somehow comes back to bite me in the ass Yeah. later on. I don't get triggered very often, I would say, but one thing that does trigger me that mm-hmm. um, you obviously is the – on the other side of that is when O and you are playing together oh. during feed time. If anybody can relate, <laughs> and you guys are having so much fun, so she forgets what to time eat is this at night or yeah. during at night. At night, yeah. it's the most important meal. Yeah, so so it's really <laughs> funny because I noticed something in you, and prior to us having O, uh, we were traveling the world. You you wanted to travel to Paris. You still do. Mm. and you had this sense of individuality to you. You had this sense of I'm a powerful woman. I can yeah. I can have everything on my own. And I did not see I did not see the mother come uh I didn't see the mother in you. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like this epiphany. You don't become a mum until you become a mum and you don't become a woman until you become a mum. And and I don't become I, I I felt like I transitioned into this male role of becoming a man when we had O, mm-hmm. and because it, with you and I it was just like cool 
I got mine, you got yours, we come together, no worries. Like we're two kind of, we're still guy and girl. Now we got this little creature with us where, you know, you're becoming very motherly. Like she's a big hen. Like, and, and, and like we're going for a walk this morning. It's not that cold, but there's a hat. You know when you're a kid and the sun's gleaming out and you just want that fresh hand that you don't want any sunscreen on you, you don't want it, and I don't get this, but, but you've become that mother that is very cautious about uh, O and the sun when it's too windy, clothes, sunscreen. Can you kind of talk about that transition? Like when did that start to come out? Because I, I noticed and I, I know I, I kind of, you know, I, I, I know the version of Kerry before I know K-Bod. We call Kerry Kabod because that's her uh, alter ego per se, her CrossFit alter ego, her 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 what's her name? Not a Kara web. It's the other girl, Tia. Tia Claire Toomey. How could I not know Tia? Love it. Um, but that's Kerry when she's in the gym. Um, then we then have Kerry the adventurer, but then we have Kerry the mum, which is a new identity that I've seen. It's very motherly, and it's 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 really. Uh, it kind of makes sense because I've seen this when I've experienced this when I've been younger. My mom's like, hey, put on your hat. You're going to get cold. You're going to get sick. And I'm like, I'm fine. I'm, I'm, I'm completely fine. Can you talk about that transition? Have you seen it yourself? You know, uh, I definitely agree with you because I'm buying sunscreen and I'm having to actually research sunscreen because I don't put on sunscreen myself you know yeah. and um and that's a definitely a new thing for me mm-hmm. and they say there's the mother's intuition right mm. and this maybe kind of dances around that a little bit mm-hmm. i know that she i sense i don't know because do we really know anything absolutely no i sense that she can be naked all over her body mm-hmm. But if her head is naked and exposed, mm. that is her most vulnerable place to get sick. Mm. She's got a big head. She does have a big head. A huge head. People probably think it's small because she's a small baby, oh, but she's, she's got a big baby. head. Like <laughs> hair is 150 centimetres. 151. Two. Two. Maybe one now because we're old. <laughs> and I've, I've probably dropped an inch or two. I'm not particularly tall. But I mean like – I love her being naked. Mm-hmm. I really do. She loves being naked. Yes, and she loves being naked too, and she loves not it's having terrifying. anything on her head, which is also fair enough. I don't know what I'm going to do if she likes being naked at when she's 15, 16, 18. She likes being naked. You love being naked. Yeah, I do. Like You love being naked. I do. And and, and it's not a sexual thing for me. No, it's, it's – it's, what it's, is it? It's a sense of freedom. It's a sense mm. of loving myself, loving yep. my body. Yep. You love your body. I sometimes mostly <laughs> do. <laughs> not, uh, in, not in a not in a sexual way, but yeah. it's just free. Like my skin gets to breathe when I'm naked. Let's let's go back because I'm I'm very interested because I I've, I want to call you the mum that um, is the buzzkill mum because I when you know I've got the great opportunity to be the guy in her life that doesn't have to deal with the all the repercussions of her not sleeping, her not feeding. I get I get to be the guy that Ocean gets to go, "Hey, you're fun." And I get to do all the fun things with her. So I do all the crazy fun things and then she's like, "I want to play with daddy because he's fun. That's my goal eventually," right? 
And so Kerry becomes the woman in her life that's like the, oh, you're kind of the buzzkill. You're kind of like, okay, playtime's over. Okay, it's sleep time. We can't go to sleep because last night we we tried to, we, we changed our room and we've, we've got a king bed, we've got a queen bed and we've got a single bed in our room and we put the mattresses on the floor. So we always sleep really low and it always like using it as an obstacle course going around. She's having the time of her life where we've got this full entire obstacle course. She's she's not sleeping. It's about eight o'clock and she's always tired. She's really tired, but she's trying to still go around the obstacles, but she's kind of crying because she's so tired. And, but yet at <laughs> the same so time, she's trying to come to off watch. the bed. Yeah. And then so, you you know, I don't get to deal with the repercussions you do. I kind of go out about my day. I kind of go, okay, well, eight o'clock to nine o'clock it's your time you take her to bed she goes mm-hmm. to sleep and then and then i kind of go well you got night shift i'm on my phone i kind of you know do the things that i do on my phone at night and then i'm off to bed wake up in the morning and then i don't see you guys until about 7 30 7 7 30 after i finish my morning walk i've had my mental shower well good so on that front it's this intuition, like, what are you afraid of? Because, you know, are you afraid of oh, getting sick? Are you afraid of what's the biggest fear that creates these things or, or brings out these things? Very, very selfishly, it's my sleep, my energy. It's mm. a great one. Yeah, because if I'm about if I'm about to uh, front this question, mm-hmm. it would be oh, it's just so that she's able to sleep, just so that she gets a good night's sleep. Right, the she's typical got a response, right, of a mum. Totally, yeah. and um, you know, like I am a buzzkill, and I would say that I'm a buzzkill to an extent uh-huh. because I am. Well, you can disagree, but I feel like I'm I'm pretty flexible with her routine her schedule uh per se because it's less of a schedule more of a flow i i'm also don't want to stretch it out to 10 p.m right for instance this is 8 p.m if i stretch it out to 10 p.m that means everything in our flow backlogs another two hours which yep. means she technically will wake up at 9 a.m mm-hmm. mm-hmm. then her first nap will be at 12 p.m mm-hmm. and that kind of as much as there is, like, I can already tell you what the schedule will look like the next mm-hmm. day, <laughs> it is inconvenient, yep. unpleasant for it me is. because I'm not going to sleep in until nine. Of course. It's not going – that yeah. also actually in turn – Affects me. Affects you. It does. It does affect me because <laughs> yeah. I don't get breakfast in the morning. I don't, <laughs> get, my, I don't get my avocado toast and, and feta cheese and exactly. smashed avo with boiled eggs. <laughs> Uh, it, it does. It's it's really funny that you say that because, you know, when, when O got sick last time, she's only been sick once, mm-hmm. but, you know, she was just, it was, she, we had a crying baby and she was losing weight because she wasn't eating. She was, she was like getting lean real fast. Yeah. yeah. It was like almost scary. It was like, oh my God, she yeah. had chubby legs. And then the next day it's like leaning up. It's these striations across the quads. I don't know what that means, but I you can see I, the quads. Yeah, you know my striations on my quads, the ones I show you. Yeah, them. They're the ones. That's the only thing I have. Quads. Yeah, I've been trying to get those for four years. <laughs> um, so, so, so in that, so 
the the motherly nature comes out to obviously create uh, kind of a rhythm of predictability mm. for you. Yeah. The sunscreen protects her from getting burnt. She becomes less burnt. She becomes less agitated. Uh, the, the beanie, because, you know, she, the wind can, you can catch a cold in the wind. Is that a real thing? Do you think that's a real thing? I, I'm, I got to ask you guys a question. Is like catching a cold because it's too windy and it's too cold outside, is that a real thing? Yeah. Is that a real thing or is that is that a myth? Because you'll catch a cold because it's too cold. Well, that's the thing. I don't actually know, to be honest. Doesn't there have to be a virus or, or, or the cold outside for you to catch the cold? Yeah, it's called coronavirus. Than... <laughs> <laughs> well, on that, I mean, is it just the floating in the air? The babies can't catch it apparently, so. I'm, I'm very interested. Right. So if you know the answer to this, please leave a comment in the comment section. Is catching a cold just because you go out and it's windy and it's cold why does that increase the susceptibility? I'm, I'm very interested to know. Mm. I could go to Google, but you'd find out that you've got You're about know, to die, 100 basically. different plagues <laughs> if you search for things on Google. Can the wind kill you? Yes. Google mm. says yes, but most so, definitely. Well, what, uh, O's, O's turning, what? what's the date today? The 15th? 14th. 14th. I know in three days. 11 months. 11 months. Well, that year, that year came around real quick. The year came around real quick. And, and we are just reflecting on this yesterday. We are like, the whole year of 2020 has been a funny year. It's been a really, really funny year. It's, it's been uh, crap because you've, we've had to change a lot of things in terms of what we do, how we do things. It's been a crap year for a lot of people because, you know. Business you know, as usual is not business as usual Yeah, anymore. not in Melbourne. It's business as adaptive as you can be. Well, kind of everywhere else in Sydney, in the rest of Australia is fine. Apparently, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's just in Melbourne where we're kind of like we've got the biggest asshole that's squeezed so tight. Called Dan Andrews. That won't um, <laughs> that won't let anybody do anything because he's afraid that the virus is going to kill people. And I get it. I get that it's hard. I get that there's two decisions that you make, especially when it comes to the virus, because how do you put a value on somebody's life? That almost seems like the moral thing to do. It's almost like, well, if you're worried about death, then I can't argue with you that anything else goes. And that's that's a really interesting concept with me. Yeah. Because we go If you're so worried about death that you stop living. Mm. Yeah. And is that worth it? Is is it worth it? Like mm. we, we look at coronavirus, we look at lockdown. Some people think that it's great. I understand why. Like I'm trying to understand, actually, I should say why there are two sides to it. I'm I'm very on the side of capitalism, like grow, innovate, create stuff, service a, a problem or a need. And at the other time, at the other side of it, you know, there are some people that don't have that thinking capability. They're not wired that way. And their parents and, and, and they grow inside of a community and they feel like, well, we have a community, we kind of grow together. You know, we need we need support with age care, et cetera, et cetera. And the fear the 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 fear of death is a huge fear which has imposed lockdown. Um I think you it's it's really funny because when I think about business, the thing that you really allowed me to see was Lynn, you're so structured inside of business that you're afraid to live life in itself because when I met Kerry, um, 
we were traveling and I had, I was starting my business and we're traveling and I was just so locked down, you know, even though it looked like on social media that it wasn't on Instagram, et cetera, et cetera. It's easy to just tell people and take photos that you're going, you know, on holidays, you're flying business class, you're going to Bali and that perception. Yet the reality it was, it was behind the scenes. I was very locked down. I was so afraid to climb a mountain mm. with you in Bali. That's the, the first businessman who's the buzzkill. <laughs> she, she's the buzzkill, <laughs> and and it's it's it brings me to this thing. And the thing is, you know, I was so afraid. I was so afraid that I wouldn't be able to make it in business. That I had to create this prison for myself, and yet. There was a destination that I that I sensed you were trying to get to and you were afraid that you won't get there fast enough. Fast enough. And it's no, always So finding, everything else was a distraction. It was like life is a distraction. I need to get somewhere in business. I yeah. need to make it yeah. and then we can live. Yeah. I didn't care about life. Woman, you're yeah. distracting me with life. Yeah, I I don't I don't care about this adventure. Mm. Um mm. I don't care about climbing Kilimanjaro. I don't care about meeting new people around the world, experiencing different culture. I didn't have that in me. What I had was this desire to just want to succeed in business. And that desire came from uh, the stories that I had about success and who I needed to be and who I needed to prove wrong. And and And, and with that being said, like I was living, but I wasn't living. And, and Kerry, I think you brought that, and, and this is, you know, contextually has to do with the lockdown because in that moment in time I realized that I wasn't living. I, I hadn't lived for like 28, 29 years, really. I think the only time that I really started to let loose was Yosemite. Yosemite. Yeah, we, we, had a, a, yeah. we had a great experience. We did our retreat, a conference in San Fran um, last year, and then we went to Yosemite, and I just, I just – I just said, you know what? I gave myself permission to live, and it was one of the most beautiful experiences um, that I could have, and it's one of the memories that I think back about, and I can just, I can bring back everything. Yet, when I think about the last five years of traveling, 50, 60 times, different planes, the only things that I've traveled a lot. I've traveled a lot of places. I can't remember shit. Like, I can't remember anything about any of the places except mm. i just i but the things that we have and this is why this is so important to me are the experiences that we have and the lockdown has kind of gone well, most people want to live but they're not living they're not truly living like when when it's not locked down are people going to go back to their old patterns you know i think and 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 something that i wrote yesterday because i was writing this yes. mega guide yes I said lockdown was a gift for me and Carrie uh, in the sense that we see a lot of people around us. We see lock- We see people complain that they can't visit their friends, they can't have brunch, they can't go out. And yet there's a gift because you and I both grew. I mean, we launched this for the very first time ever. By the way, I'm blue, you're, you're purple pink, which is really cool. Um. We actually created a lot of unity. I, I rebuilt the business to create the business that I actually wanted to do and I actually wanted to create. And it gave me a lot of permission. It gave you a lot of permission because you're going through a certification with conscious parenting. And the thing that it started to make us realize was that you and I have meaning to our life. Mm. And the reasons why lockdown doesn't really affect us 
apart from knowing that you can't do something, that's the mental effect. But I feel so many people, uh, lockdown creates this confinement for them and they, they go into depression, they go into depressive states. They want to get away from their partner. Like I, I think we had that person that came over to our house who was evaluating our house to, for, the, for, for the loan. And she was like, oh, I just wish I could get away from my husband. You know, I've just spent too much time with him. I want my kids back in school because... I need my own time. I need my, my own time. One of my kids has ADHD and he needs a lot of attention and he's too much to handle. And, and it, I mean, it's brought us together because I think the concept of you being able to find your own purpose and your own meaning to your life and me finding mine um, is a big thing. Do you want to kind of elaborate your, your favourite your, your favorite man flavour of flavor of the quarter um, and, and what he said. And I think this is really important because, I mean, lockdown's difficult, especially if you're going to be locked down. And, and, and the gift there is that you remove all of the distractions. You can't go out. You can't see your friends. You can't have brunch. We can't drive mindlessly to shopping places. Cause, yeah, and, and so these are distractions. And then when, when you've watched enough Netflix, like we did. That was the last like that was the last like thing that you could when, do. When you've watched enough Netflix, when you've when you've realized that you scroll through as much social media and you're not feeling it anymore, you start to realize, right, shit. There's a question that comes to your mind, and you, the question then becomes, what am I doing with my life? Because going to work, you know, it's fascinating to me. Most people go to work and they spend time working. You know, you, let's say you're 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 awake 14 hours a day. You're spending eight to 10 hours or possibly 12 hours commuting from around work. So you're spending 10 hours of the 14 hours that you're actually awake working, and yet most people hate their jobs. Mm. And so the lockdown really forces a lot of people to be introspective, and it's scary mm. to hear about, uh, about the amount of people that haven't found meaning to their life. And when you don't find meaning, meaning you're not whole. And when you're not whole... I mean, I've found that when I'm not whole, I'm trying to look f- for you to make me happy. Mm. I'm trying to go, what can you do to make me happy? Why aren't you doing this for me? Why aren't you, why aren't you, why aren't we having more sex? Mm. I'll go out there and I'll start to go, why aren't we having more sex? I'll look for problems and I'll be like, why aren't you doing this? Because, because I'm feeling sad. And what's really funny was when I'm starting to, when, when we're so busy and entrenched in our own, you know, instantly gratifying ourselves. I think at some point sex can be very instantly gratifying, especially for men. So you just feel the urge, you watch porn, you jerk off, you get it done with and, and that's it. But when you actually start to find meaning to your life, we have sex because sex is connection, mm-hmm. right? That's, that we, we find deeper meaning. So mm-hmm. do you want to elaborate on your flavor of the quarter? And I think he made a very interesting remark. You were on a walk with me and you said something and it sparked this thought in my mind. And what was that thing that you told me? What was it? With Jordan Peterson, the quote. <laughs> I know, but I don't know which quote you're talking about. Okay, the quote which so says, um, "Most uh, the the quote about meaning, oh, meaning, yeah." The quote about meaning. What was that quote about meaning? It says most people feel like their life has no meaning. Yes. So um, it was in one of his rules, and he talks about. Uh, I think he talks about. 
cleaning up your own house before you try and save the world. And he says people in their own lives lose meaning and they can't find meaning in their own lives, in their own home, in their own home. So they try and take on these monstrous tasks of changing the climate or stopping the climate change, of uh, rallying for the feminist movement, things like that. Yet they they don't have meaning within themselves. And the quote is, if you want to find more meaning, take on more responsibility. That's a that's an epic quote. Yeah, and uh, to put it in a to wrap it around some context, he doesn't mean responsibility like out the outside responsibility. He means responsibility for yourself and the self care and the people around you that you can immediately impact. Mm. That's the responsibility. Mm. It's like um, something that I can really imagine myself being feeling depressive is if I worked in a corporate. Still, mm-hmm. if I were in Telstra right now, still working, mm-hmm. and be, hello, Carrie from Telstra, and easily enough, I could be a mum. I mm-hmm. could be working from home. Mm-hmm. I have my own office. If I need to take a meeting, get you to look after the bub. But that's meaningless to me because that's not building me as a character. That's mm-hmm. not building me and my message because I'm just speaking telecommunications and. Is this project going ahead? Is this project stopping? Do we have enough money? And all of these things almost seem trivial in the grand scheme of life. And the responsibility that I want to take, what brings me meaning, is this. Yeah. It's it's extra. It's it's in addition to being a mum. And I want this. Like yeah. and I find that there's so much more meaning, there's so much more beauty in life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there's more work yep. as, as well. There's more work, which yeah. means you find more more meaning because you take on more responsibility. And I think a lot of the times you and I aren't bored. Like, like in fact, mm. like inside of this lockdown, we're like, oh, I wish I had more time. Yeah. I wish I had more time to just spend alone so that I could think, I could plan, I could build, I could question things, I could question my own worldviews and realities. I think the question um, was a quite good question. I think it was by our, our, our YouTuber, um, Patrick Bett, Patrick David Bett. I think it was in his book. And he's, uh, the, the, the quote that he said was, who do you want to be? Like, who do you want to be? Like, who do you want to mm. be to, to ocean? I think, and ocean's given us a lot of uh, introspective work to do because I honestly feel like I've got a 24-7 surveillance camera watching me that every wrong move I make, she's going to take on and copy and duplicate and learn from. And I think that's that's a fair assessment, would you say? Yes. Like she's Absolutely. so she's so uh she's a sponge and we're her guides in this world. Funnily enough, she doesn't know she's our guide. But Well, a lot of the times people will ask us who do you want your baby to be? Mm. What sport do you want her to play in? What instrument will she play? What languages will she learn? And instead of answering that and going, yeah, what do we want Ocean to be? Mm-hmm. We switched it yeah. and we're like, who do we want to be to Ocean? Mm-hmm. Because It's so interesting that you say that. Um, like we're talking about your mum. And your mum your mum yeah. your mum was asking you, hey, she's so a typical. Like I, I went swimming, I was as a ba- as a kid, I was swimming, playing piano, uh, playing tennis. 
Oh, what else did, did I do? I did you had so math, many you things. Yeah, like a hundred math tutors, right? You yeah, I like, uh, So, so your mom wanted to give you everything to yeah. train you, and and she believes in like, hey, you got to train your daughter and get, teach her discipline to do things. And it was really interesting the conversation that you had your mom. You actually, what did you say to her? You said, "Mom, I'm not going to train her, tell her to do things." I said to mom, "I don't need to discipline her at all. I will not tell her what she. I will not." tell her what to do or enroll her uh, based on what I think she she is built for or she's naturally talented yeah. to, it's to show her. Yeah. It's to show her that I can go, I can do things that I'm not naturally talented or, or that I am and to really strive hard to persist even when things get hard. Yeah. And if I show her, she'll... She'll learn. Yeah. It's it's part of the intro for our podcast. Show her, don't tell her, right? Yeah, exactly. It, and it's 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 funny because I, I see so many people that are able to tell people what to do. Mm. And yet when it comes to doing it themselves, they go, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. So I don't apply to me, but you can do it. You should do it. I'll tell you what to do. Mm. I know the formula, but I can't do it myself because I'm inept. Mm. Your mum will tell you what to do. Right. But she's too old. But she's too old. She's you know? too old. It's too yeah. late for her to change. Yeah. Same thing with my parents. My time's gone. Mm. I'm like, but you know, like you've got a lot of time. That you can do a lot of things in a year. You can like create an empire in a decade. Mm. I feel like with the six years we've had together, it's been like every 16? year has been <laughs> yeah, every year yeah. feels like a decade. We've done completely yeah. different things if we look back. And it's really interesting going back to to ocean. I honestly feel like I've got a uh, a baby that's that I go. How do I how do I want Ocean to grow up? I gotta I gotta almost be that person I want Ocean to be because she I, she's not gonna listen to me. If we want her to try really hard and fail and be courageous, then you've got to be courageous. I've got to be courageous. She's got to see courage first, and she's got to know that it's okay. Exactly. And that's I think that's the hardest thing as a parent to not put all of your beliefs like. Oh, you should be this person that I couldn't be, but you can be it. Exactly. <laughs> and you should be like. I know that I had the potential that I didn't fulfill, so you're going to fulfill it for me. <laughs> and it's really funny because Dr. Shafali, uh, one of your mentors that you're actually learning from, she talks a lot about this inside of conscious parenting. Mm. She talks about the idea that um, most people go through life and we're given our parents' expectation. I was given my mom and dad's expectation of, hey, you should be a doctor because when you're a doctor, for sure you'll be married because all the girls want to marry a doctor. And for sure you'll be safe and for sure you'll be smart and for sure you'll have... You'll be healthy because you're a doctor. <laughs> yeah, you'll be healthy because you're a doctor. <laughs> um, and you'll have money because you're a doctor. And these are all the things that I want for you because I want them. And it's good because I want them and I know what's best for you. And I just remember going through physio school and I just remember how many people just didn't, I didn't even know what physiotherapy was. It, I, I do. Like I had no. It's, it's, <laughs> you get massage. <laughs> massage people. Kerry was like, the first time I met her in the gym, I was like, I'm a physio. And she's like, oh, great. What is that? Do you just massage I, people? I've never gone to a car or a physio at I this point. I had no idea what a physiotherapist did. I literally didn't. Until third year physio, I walked into a hospital. I was walking um, older people around wards and they were coughing in a, in, a, in a napkin and I would look at their sputum 
and I would grade it according to whether it was green, yellow, or clear. And then I would put a pulse oximeter on them, and I had no idea, but during it, I, I believed the narrative of what my parents told me. What my parents told me was they thought that was best for me. Now I didn't, I didn't get to consider That's what funny I wanted because they they don't even know what it's like being it's, a physio. It's, isn't that's it? so funny. It's only when like if they were a doctor and they would go, I, being I, a doctor is amazing. It's fulfilling. I get to work with children. I get to work with old people mm. and save their lives. You should be a doctor. I don't even know. I might even get my dad to comment on this if he's watching. But like I, I don't think he knew, and what what I think he did know was the enter score required to get into physiotherapy, and that if I went to Melbourne Uni and I got into physio, then my my you would be smart, and if I was smart, then then his friends would know, his uncles would know, and fuck it, like we'd all we'd all just be like, your kids are smart, well done. And I think that's the craziest part that when we start to see that, you know, we we tell our children and do things based on what we want, not what they want. Uh, that that then becomes the biggest issue, and so I, I like I've spent the last. That also bring that also reminds me of a point. My mom one, mom and I FaceTime almost every night, so I get a little bit of a digest of what she's thinking about Ocean and her development and all those wonderful things that fears that she has in her mind. She asked me if you have more than one child. Intend, which you will. Uh, will you will you love them fairly? And I go. What a what a loaded oh, question. It is. Will you be fair to all three of your children? Mm. And my response was, you know, mum, love for Ocean will be very different for love. What love is to the second child and what love is to the third child. Mm. So the answer is no. I won't love them fairly, Mm -hmm. I will love them individually Mm. in what they want as love, what they need as love. Because if I did it it all the same, I will tell them that it's fair, but they won't feel loved. One of them will feel more loved because the way I did it was more reciprocal to them, but not to the second or third, fourth, fifth, sixth. It's so funny because... I mean, just going on that, it's so difficult to to it's so difficult to tell the truth. Absolutely. And moment. so Mum told me a story about her asking her friend who has two boys, and she asked her, Do you have a favorite? And the mum guiltily said, Yes, I do. There is one that gives me such a headache wants to talk back at everything I say, and he's not my favourite. My favourite is the one that <laughs> listens to everything I say, agrees with me, and he's such a good boy. But don't tell them. I love them both equally, okay? Yeah. Don't, don't, don't tell them that, but that's how I feel deep inside. And I think, I think that's where the problem starts. I think the suppression of the true emotions of how you're feeling and going, it's how I feel, and, and don't shame me for it. Like I wish... I wish um, I wish I could speak to my parents and, and just get them to understand that it hey, like you've got six kids. You're going to get along or you're going to have a favorite or you're going to have different feelings for different one of us. I mean, I asked my parents that a couple of years ago and they said, I love you all equally. And I was like, are you sure? Because I'm the guy that's kind of just broken away from completely from what you said. I kind of burnt my degree. 
I kind of said, fuck you. Kind of said, I don't want to do this anymore. I stopped attending as many family gatherings. I stopped going to church. I don't know if you love me as much. I don't believe in a lot of the things that uh, you believe in. We don't share similar values. And and so in my interpretation, I, I, I think I sat down with you and I could clearly list down their favorite <laughs> to their least favorite. And yeah. it's really funny as parents that... And by what order of attributes... Well, I think, I think, I think, you know what, I think the people that, that you connect with the most are the people that share the most and similar values with you. Mm, or just agree with what you agree say. Agree with what you say. Yeah. Okay. They share, they share values. Yeah. And so, you know, I spent the last year trying to figure out why I had listened to the norm for the last 29 years on why on, on figuring out what, what does Lynn ultimately want for himself? Not, not what Lynn should, should do, not what's cool, not what other people are doing. Uh, not what any of my friends on Instagram are doing. Any of the people that I was in masterminds with, not what my brothers and sisters are doing. What does Lynn want? And who does Lynn want to be? And so it's a very loaded question to ask that because when you ask that, you start to go, oh my God, I have not listened to this thing, this voice of mine. I, I don't even know where to begin because what I've wanted for myself has always been told to me by somebody else. Somebody's told me what I wanted. And my parents told me what I wanted. My parents told me I should be a doctor. And if I can't be a doctor, well, go be a dentist. Yeah, why be a dentist? Well, because you're going to make a whole lot of money. Okay, why else? Because... <laughs> Like it's cool to look in people's mouths and look at their teeth and smell their breath. Not really. Like that's not what I want. And so I think I think you know in in the generation that we grew up in with our parents, it wasn't so much about desire. It was kind of the stepping stone to 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 moving out of a place of scarcity, a lack of money, escaping communism, and and just being safe and just having food. And I appreciate that for what it is. I absolutely do. I, I think, I think you know, if I was in my dad's shoes, I would have, I would have done a worse job, to be honest. Remember the I would have been the guy that got killed early in communism because <laughs> I would have declared basically <laughs> what I want, and then I would have got shot, right? So, like, so dad, you did a great job. And so, I think the next evolution is figuring out. Okay, well, we're here now. What's gonna What's gonna fulfill us? What's what, and and. And then O's going to look back at us one day and she's going to be like, you guys fucked me up. And I was like, well, good luck. We did the best we can, Ocean. And so everyone does the best they can. So what were you saying? I was saying, remember the uh, podcast that we listened to with the North Korean, uh, what do they call them? De factos. The The de de factos. Yeah, the de factos. Yeah. Um, When she was mentioning the communists deliberately – keep you weak by not feeding you enough Mm. and my mom didn't come from a poor family she came from a middle-class family your mom hates communism she does my dad hates communism yeah with a passion and Mm. she even to her even something i assumed from her was that she never starved Uh and she was always well fed Uh she always looked healthy and plump Mm -hmm. you know so i thought oh they're well fed. Mm-hmm. But she re- remembers when she was a child, she was never full. Mm. She could never have eaten enough food. Mm. So You're not when, going to bed full like us, yeah, are Yeah, when they live with such <laughs> scarcity. And this is 
so funny in a world where me, we've me, got way uh, too much food. I want to side. I want to sidetrack you for the reasons why we're laughing so much. <laughs> every every night before me, when me and Carrie are in bed, we will text each other, and I'll text. I'm still hungry. She's like, I'm still hungry, and I'm we're like, like, Oh yes, well done, we, we're done. We won uh, the day. We we won the day. We didn't overeat. I think that's that's a that's a bit. But going back to that podcast, it was really interesting because she mentioned in that podcast as a North Korean de facto, she said the whole goal of communism is to, uh, in North Korea, mm. is to keep you hungry so that all you worry about is figuring out how to feed yourself and that's all you get to worry about. So you don't get to worry about what desires you want. You don't get to worry about riots. You don't get to worry about your human rights. You're just worried, so worried about survival. That's, that's all your, your, your brain is wired for. And I you don't have the capacity to think any more all. than that other than where's my next meal not at all. I think I think she went on to say something really interesting because when she escaped from North Korea and she was in South Korea, mm. she had the opportunity to wear clothes. Like wear clothes that she wanted to wear, not not clothes that she was told to wear. It was crazy because in that interview, I mean there were 24 haircuts that she could pick from and and that's it. Like there's only 24 styles. I mean 24 is a lot of different styles, but you're told to go, "Hey, this is what you can wear." go pick this outfit. It's almost like you're in The Sims and you're picking an outfit and, and that's the only outfit. So when she was allowed to go to a hairdresser in South Korea and they asked her what haircut she wants, she was like, I don't know. And she found it really hard. And and that goes back to what I was saying before because we're so conditioned inside and or at least I was so conditioned to be told what I want to do, how I want to live my life, how I should raise ocean, what I should give to ocean. Everyone wants to tell you what to do. And your mom wants to tell you how to raise ocean. My parents want to tell me how I should raise my parents. Like my parents, like I was told my entire life what it is that I need to do. And so this notion of trying to figure out what I actually want, the question then becomes quite loaded. Like when I ask you, what do you want? And I ask people that, and I ask my clients that, what do you want? What do you really want? And they sit there and they go, I don't know. Tell me what I want. Mm. They're asking to be told because we're so conditioned mm. to be told. We're marketed. Mm. Now you want the Big Mac from McDonald's because it's going to make you look cool and you can eat it with your friends and have a lot of fun. Or you want the new iPhone 12 because now, it funnily, looks enough, different. funnily yeah. enough, it's no longer curved like this. It's it's different. And if you buy the iPhone 12, you look really cool because everyone knows that you'll have the iPhone 12. And just not touching on that point, I think I'm going to segue into this because it was one of the topics that Kerry wanted to talk about. I think it it's is. the only topic. <laughs> no, there's covered, plenty. But, but it's really funny. Like that's just on that interesting. The iPhone 12 was just released. And I was watching, I was reading an article on the sales of the iPhone tens and nines and and ten s's and that and they're like the, the iPhone tens just didn't sell. And the reasons why they didn't sell was because they kept the same design. They didn't really change anything except the internal parts of the ten. It looked actually identical. It looks very very similar to what it is right they now. They just kept adding like one. They kept adding like but but, the, but they only <laughs> had they only had one light. So yeah. as you can see with this 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 is the iPhone eleven. It's got three right. So well, what they did from the iPhone 10 didn't sell. The reasons why it didn't sell is because when you bought an iPhone 10, other people didn't couldn't, know, couldn't recognize, couldn't see that you bought an iPhone 10. And the reasons why people will buy things was because of that self-recognition. Not because the actual phone's good. It's because, hey, if I buy this item here, other people will know that I upgraded. 
And so what Apple started to realize was I was like, well, they want to increase their sales. And this has been going on inside of the car industry and, and a lot of industries. But if, if they want to increase their sales, well, you just, you just need to alter. You need to make these tiny little alterations, a.k.a. instead of adding one camera here, you add and now another two. Now you have a three, three camera setup. And what starts to happen is if you add these little things in, people upgrade not because of any of the past, not because it's faster, but because they have the latest and the greatest and, and suddenly their status moves up. They kind of go, hey, look at me. I can afford the, the newest one. And so it was a radical shift with the iPhone 12. Yeah. Because they just, they, they brought back the iPhone 4 design. Look, I'm, I'm quoting him from this morning because mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to say this on the podcast, FYI. Mm-hmm. You said people care more about looks than what's inside. They and do. I think... This is a regular theme of ours. This applies so well to the body because up to a certain point when you are losing weight, you're not regenerating your body. Mm. You're degenerating your body. But people care more about what it looks like than what their body looks actually like feels outside, like then, then energetically. Yeah. And there, there's so many instances that's such a big principle yeah it's like people will starve themselves just to get skinnier just so that they can fit into clothes but not realize that they've just slowed down their entire metabolic system and their capacity to think and feel good and and function mm. you know that's that's a perfect example um people would rather win awards and accolades and and win two comma club awards but then they have no money in the bank account because they don't understand profit and they don't understand expenses but yet, you look good because you've you won good. so many awards. Because you won these awards or you're, you've been one of the fastest growing companies uh, ever. And so there's so there's so many instances. My, my, oh, my, Appstar was that? Oh, was, completely. We, <laughs> so we wanted to build an app. <laughs> we invested, uh, 30? I don't know, $30,000, $40,000 yeah. in building an app. And, and the company, as we... We're about to as we make were the about to make a three hundred thousand dollar payment, yeah. they went bankrupt. Uh, and and on the day, this is a crazy, crazy story. Mm. They went into administration and dissipated right in front of our eyes. Eyes <laughs> on the day that on the we'll day make, that make we the were getting the bill of yeah. making the payment. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that was crazy. We'll talk about that one next on another episode. But I I, I want to emphasize this because. You know, like I became a fucking physio because I wanted to look good, not because I enjoyed physio. Because mm. I thought that that's what would be good. And like people know I'm a physio, fuck yeah. And then I meet Karen, she doesn't know that I'm a physio. And she's like, what are you, what are you, a masseuse? And I'm like, I, I was I like, felt oh, is that the one where you massage people? <laughs> but I didn't know how much, I didn't know what I was going to do as a physio. Yeah. I didn't know how much I was going to make. I mean, physios make dog shit. Didn't anyone like, come, tell you? Oh, you make a lot of money no, in physio? No, not at okay. all. Like four years People of study. People told me you make a lot of money as an accountant. Four years of study and, and you, you know, I think I was doing $52,000 the first year out. I was making more as a personal trainer. I was making like $110,000 as a personal trainer. I'm glad you made the maths and was like, oh, that doesn't make sense. It just didn't make sense. <laughs> Plus the $50,000 university bill that that came along with that as well. And But, it, but all for status. And so, you know, I, I start to think more and more about this and i go people are so fascinated about looking good than actually uh being good you know people want the recognition i mean i did like i cared so much about my two comma club awards that i was just like i just want the next one and the next one and i got them and i gave them to karen she just rolled her eyes at me 
because she actually saw behind the company. And she was like, what is this? And I'm like, it's a photo for Instagram. Sit there, take it. If I could find the photo, she had two, she had two of them. And then in that moment, I was like, I don't give a fuck about this anymore. And that was our breakdown. I was just like, I don't care about these. These are great, fantastic, but that's not who I want to be. And, um, and so it's fascinating with the iPhone 12 because, you know, when I look at it, I'm kind of going, oh, is this going to make, is this, is this, you know, I really, every year that it came out, I was always upgrading. And my, my mindset's somewhat very stoic right now because it's like, ah, oh, it's kind of the same really. What have they really changed? Just a better camera? I don't even take photos of my iPhone. To be fair, we, we buy into it as well because you and I were talking about it this morning about whether or not to get it and we, before we had a second thought, we're like, hey, let's get it, let's get it. It looks different. Hmm. <laughs> it, it looks different. But I, but I, I remember like, – Oh, is it better? I would remember <laughs> it looks uh, different. me upgrading every piece every year, every piece, my iPad, my MacBook Pro, my iMacs, everything. Right now, like I haven't – this is still the old one. My MacBook Pro is still from 2018. My iMac's from 2016. Like, shit. It, and it's still the same. And it's that feeling that you have, which, which is crazy because that's how they sell you shit. So, no, I thought that was very fascinating. I think that was a discussion that we had that people would rather look good and feel good. And, and I, I go, I'm, I'm hands up the first guy to admit that I'd rather look good. I mean, I got a six-pack. Uh, my whole goal was as a 17-year-old was to get a six-pack because my whole life, like I grew up as the fat kid of my house. And I was just like, okay, if I become a personal trainer, I'll know how to get abs. And then I learned what it took to get abs. And it's not fun. Like you're hungry all the fucking time. And if you're not hungry all the time, then you're not going to get abs. Because you're you're Our taking parents away. will laugh at you because they'll be like, "Why would you want to be hungry? Why, like, why would you? Yeah, <laughs> communists what? always made us hungry. Why would you do <laughs> that would, to yourself?" And and what happens is, well, like, you know, this is the road to looking good. It's it's not uh, is Lynn healthy inside? It's not is Lynn can Lynn think? Can Lynn memorize more? Can Lynn actually function better? Is Lynn more intelligent? No, it's does Lynn look attractive? And then by the time I looked attractive, guess what? The internal state of my mind didn't catch up. The internal state was still this little shy dude, this little shy fat guy that had abs, and it was a disconnect. And I, th I think a lot of men who, who have gone through this transformation can, can, can agree that when you finally get to the destination and you haven't caught up for the right reasons, you're in this kind of weird mismatch where you're like, holy shit, I like, I'm fucking hot. I got a six-pack. But yet I feel like a loser because I'm not, I'm not at the clubs picking up, feeling like I got gold rings around my, my neck, jumping up and down in limousines in Vegas with bikini girls. All that. It just doesn't work that way. I and thought I thought that came with the six pack. <laughs> I know. I thought that would come too. But instead, when I got the six pack, guess where I was? I was just in the gym. I was like, no, nah, we're not going out. I'm not drinking alcohol. I'm not, I'm not partying. I've got to rest. I've got, to, I've got leg day tomorrow became such a really, uh, a really, really crazy, scary thought. And, and of course, you've put in so much work. So now you've got something that you've worked so hard towards, you don't want to lose it. So what do you do? Well, if you, if you, if you, you got, you got to choose. Do you keep this lifestyle or you let it go? 
I think that's that's a crazy part. That's that's a part of the fitness industry that I've seen uh, coming in terms with looking good and not actually being good. Mm. I mean, we we look at all the supplements inside it. Like I, I had supplement cabinets filled with supplements, right? And they're not good for you. Like taking anything uh, as as probably not good for you in terms of in terms of supplements for most anyway. Um, F's up your liver. It kind of fucks up your liver. It fucks up your health. A. Um, of course, if you've got conditions and if you're, you've got low testosterone because you're old, then these things can definitely help. But we're talking about the supplements that are talking about like the oxy shred, the shred supplements, the fat burner, the ones that are going to make you your body heat up. These things market themselves to go, I will heat up your body. Your thyroid's going to heat up and, it, and you feel hot and you feel itchy. And I bought into it. I was like, the hotter the better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm losing weight. You know? <laughs> But I think that's the crazy part, and I, I, I worry about this because when when we follow the norm and we adopt the same thing the norm adopts, I mean, we, we really got to sit back and question ourselves and ask why. And it comes back ultimately to, to going, well, instead of being told what you want and and being told that you should be lean, being told that you should be, you know, skinnier, being told that you should be more beautiful, being told all of these things. And I'm very cautious about this because obviously I have an ocean now, which has made me think a lot. The question is, well, what may, what's going to fulfill you? What's going to make you happy? And, and, and who do we want to be to ocean when it comes to food? Exactly. Do we want to be the ones that are going? No, no, no. We can't eat this because this isn't good for you. Or do is this? Are we? Is a story behind the food? Yeah. Or are we just a powder family and mum and dad? Are, yeah, mum and dad are alchemists making smoothies, and she's like, huh? mm. <laughs> powders. Hmm. Interesting. It's really terrifying. Like I, I remember like being like it was crazy. Like I would, I would sit back when I was bodybuilding in two thousand and twelve. I feel really bad for my previous ex that I was with. But okay. anytime we would go out, I would buy into supplements so much. There was this supplement called Glycobol. <laughs> I love this story. Okay, this is, this is Glycobol. And I'm reading up about it because Glycobol is telling me, Lynn, this supplement will allow you to eat any foods that you want. But you gotta take you got to take the supplement and eat the food with it because if you do, then the supplement is going to help supplement the food into your glycogen stores because food, when you consume it, it can, it can be stored as fat or glycogen. And so this supplement stops it getting stored as fat. And so I had these pills that I would carry around in my backpack. And if I didn't have those pills, I didn't eat. Like I was like, but I'd be hungry as. And I'm like, no, 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 I've got to wait for glycobol. I've got to get glycobol because if I don't have glycobol with this, I get fat. Like that was the mentality that I was in. So I remember I'm going and, and sitting there and, and my ex and I going out to eat some Vietnamese noodles pho. And I forgot to bring glycobol. And I'm starving. So I'm sitting there. She's eating. I'm like, I'm not eating. She's like, what do you mean? And we had this whole big fight around this. But I, I think back and I laugh. And I go, wow, I'm stupid. I think you've got to be stupid because you've got to learn and you make mistakes. And that's how you learn. I've, I've made plenty of mistakes inside of my life. Um, but that was one of the big mistakes. All because I was afraid of getting fat because I wanted to look good. Not because I gave a fuck about what these pills did to my body. Not it was just crazy. And I remember I would chow four down. I probably ate thousands of them. 
thousands of fucking glycobol pills. And I was trying That's to search up the really company. That's called a really great sales letter, guys. I was like, I was like, the company's fucking gone. Like, it's disappeared, you know, because the, until they sell the next trick. And they go, oh, sorry, it wasn't glycobol. We needed to go into the Amazon rainforest and pick out this uh, Amazonian fruit. And now we've got glycobol 2.0. Because this is the fruit that's actually going to excel. And, and this is just what happens. And so the majority of the industry goes out, you know, we talk about quick fixes, get rich quick schemes. It goes out to the people because there's always people uh, evolving. There's always 12-year-olds going to 13 the next year and 13 going to 14, 14. So, so what happens is these industries are predicated and built on trying to trick the people at the very start. And then once you trick enough people, the people fall for the trick. They don't buy the trick again. And so, then they evolve. Into and then a they name. evolve. They become <laughs> thirty. They get the glycobol store, and then there's another different company selling a different thing. So there's always going to be somebody tricking people right at the very start, and that's the sad part about this. All because we want to look good. Because we want to look. That's good. why I really respect Jordan Peterson, because why? to look good is also to be popular and to agree with the popular consensus. So whatever it is, the new caster, the new um, mm. the the influencer who says the popular thing mm. to be popular, right? Mm-hmm. And Jordan Peterson says the most unpopular truths of life, particularly in his book, which I started reading about four years ago and I put it down because I was like, this is crapola, Uh he says some really, really bold and un- inconvenient things, mm-hmm. and I'm like, no, I don't, I don't believe this. I don't, I don't agree with you. Yeah, at all. Mm-hmm. That was like rule number one or two, and mm. I stopped. Because like that was in your feminist days. You were like girl power back then. Totally, right? and like, he he isn't that at all. Like he's yeah, almost to the point of against it on that well, scale, right? Is, yeah. And now when I read it, I'm really proud of myself because I've been raving about him to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. In four years ago, I was like, the why, does, the why does anyone believe him or why mm-hmm. does anyone like him mm-hmm. at all? And now this guy is unpopular, but he's himself and he tells the truth. Yeah. Genuinely. Yeah. I, I love that because I'm so pissed at the politicians in Australia right now because all of them are fucking liars and they're hiding and they're lying and and it's not so much them it's just this pattern that we have inside of society where we have to hide and lie and we feel like we have to say the right thing and we have to cover up and nobody wants to actually own how they're feeling what they really want what they don't want and it's a crazy it's it's crazy i mean ever since you know I profoundly, something woke me up, Garrett, why one of my mentors earlier on from 2015 really opened up to this idea of telling the truth. I, I mean, I didn't understand it. But I mean, we've got politicians, you know, we've got this whole inquiry here in Melbourne about how they botched up the hotel quarantine. And it's really funny because Dan Andrews set up this industrial Do you want to law. describe the ho- hotel um, so so basically yeah. we, we were locked down. So it's it's October right now and Victoria is the only one that's been locked down again and we've been locked down for about 14 weeks now. And the reasons why we were locked down was because our numbers went 
our case numbers of coronavirus went up. It went up from, you know, 14, 16, 70, went up to 700. And the reasons why it went up was because Dan Andrews botched up the hotel uh, quarantine, which is for anybody coming into Melbourne, they need to quarantine for 14 days inside of the hotels. And, um, and he botched up that system because he was the only premier that hired private security guards. Everybody else used uh, Australian federal police and he decided to hand $30 million over to private security for whatever reasons. Now He must have thought he was doing them. Right he would thing, have he would have or, been doing definitely like you kind of do the right thing and it's it's not so much that um but it's the denial of not knowing anything right now when who made any of the decisions well i don't know yes yeah, so what his who? who what he's actually doing right now is victoria made a decision mm-hmm. against all the other states mm-hmm. that uh they all took the federal advice federal help and he was like i'm going independently out into this into hire hiring the security, security yeah so inside of this hotel these securities are looking after these people yep but not entirely because they're not quarantined and then they start spreading it all across victoria mm-hmm. so we go through second lockdown and so the journalists the media are all asking our prime premier <laughs> is it prime minister our premier going who's responsible to make the decision for the security company mm. and he says i can't recall i can't remember what i can't remember and so the lot of them and so this 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 happens you paid someone 30 million dollars and you can't remember who signed off on it who signed off who on gave it? the approval of it a 30 million dollar contract it's it's even more um but the but the topic here and why it frustrates me is because people hide and it's not that if you can make a mistake and you can own up to the mistake and you go, hey, sorry, I learned from it. I'm going to step down. I'm going to do. I'm going to rectify it. I learned from it. I made a mistake. It's good. But, but very few people actually have integrity, uh, and especially leaders, because there's so much uh, hiding. It's the nature of. It's the nature of politics. It's the nature of human beings. Who it's can the hide conditioning. better? <laughs> you know who can who can hide better? Who can say the right things? And it's it's funny because the journalist. What's the what's the irony? Talk about the irony in what he's hiding, or what? Well, well, well. The irony is, and and the reasons why he's hiding was because he set up um, some new legislation around workforce to to you know bring on this thing called uh, to to charge big to charge big in industries for industrial manslaughter, which means. You know, if somebody happens to die because inside of your company or, or due, to, uh, due to malpractice in your company, well, you can be charged with manslaughter. And so what's crazy about him hiring private security and 800 people dying from COVID due to the outbreak means that he may be liable for the law that he created. LOL. Insert. It's 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 quite crazy. And and so so there's 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 a lot of lies and deceptions and and it not just runs in in politics, but it, but it runs from the small lies to the big lies. I think if you lie about small things, you're gonna lie about big things. Mm. I was taught actually, as growing up, that white lies are good because it doesn't hurt people's feelings. Mm. And it just reminded me because as as I'm as I'm looking at the topics for the day, I was trying to figure out some stories, and I remember very specifically. Uh, 
my mom telling me that sometimes you just have to say those little lines because you're not you don't want to hurt the other person. Sometimes feelings. you just have to tell him he's good in bed, and you know <laughs> <laughs> exactly like stroke his ego a little bit yeah. so he feels good about himself. And I and I just I never even questioned it mm. in the past. I just mm. thought. Of course, like I don't want to hurt people's feelings, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I got to be this person that lies a little bit. Mm-hmm. Oh. I, I want to go to that. It's so hard to not lie be, because your mum, your mum will say sometimes you should keep things from Lynn. Don't tell him because yes. because he'll get upset yes. and then he'll cause drama and chaos. I think people people lie, or, or not so much they lie on purpose. They they withhold information. Um, and they don't tell you things on purpose because they're afraid of the repercussions. And I think if you lie about small things, you'll lie about big things. I, I mean, I was I was a big liar when I was a kid in my family. Like, I mean, I lied about everything because I was so afraid of what would happen if I told the truth. Because it was... Behind lying, there's always a short-term gain. For sure. There's long-term consequences because... It's instantly gratifying. Yeah, you, eventually you, if I lie enough... Mm-hmm. We're disconnected. Yeah, we're not true to ourselves. We're not true to each other. We're not true to what we really want. Yeah, we're 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 we're. I'll probably end up resenting you. Oh, there, there's there's and and so, I think, the part of the reasons how, on I I feel like why we work so well is because I'm more than happy to tell you anything. Hey, honey, I had a dream about my ex last night. You're like what? I'm like, yeah, I just had a dream. It was kind of weird, and it's and it's a no. It's a really like we we get to the point where we talk about that, or I'll be like, or I'm like, oh my god, this French guy on TV is smoking hot. <laughs> but 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 it's things like that that we we go, hey, like we're gonna talk to each other about this, and we're not gonna judge each other, and it's really difficult, especially in your real, in a relationship. But I think. If, if you can get to that point where you're so honest with each other and you're not judgmental or you're not insecure because you have your own, you have your own meaning, you have your own thing uh, to, to, to focus on, then, then you get to this place where you can just sit back and just explore it. And there are a lot of thoughts that couples have in their, their minds where, you know, I'll think about my ex inside of my dream and I'll wake up with it but it'll be lingering on my mind, but I won't tell Kerry, and that just stays with me. And, and mm-hmm. you know, if I have another one, or if I see her on Facebook, shit just starts coming together. And I think this is how you get in trouble. You get in trouble because you, you start to go, wait, there, I can't You know do how this. Facebook can read your mind and then shows you what you're thinking? Shows you past photos never... from seven years, and you start to go, holy shit, like, how did it know? And then you start going, oh, my God, let me check out what they're doing. And then you realize, and but it, it opens up a can of worms. And I, I it's scary it's scary how when you put inside of your mind that you can't do something, you want to do it even more. Like? Like ocean. Like the fact that she uh, knows that when we hold our phones because we're so precious with our phones that she wants our phone even more. Or like if I don't tell you about my ex but I'm thinking about her and then I'm starting to research her about her, there is this thought that goes, well, what is she doing? Maybe is the grass greener? Is the (laughs) grass is the grass greener on the other side? Did I make a mistake? Like legitimately, these are thoughts that come in, and if you don't bring it out to life, these can grow legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's what Jordan Peterson. Because I asked you the question I said the other day: little monsters grow when you hide them under the carpet, Mm. 
and cover them with a lie and then they'll jump out at you and devour you at your least expected moment. They come bigger. Mm. I think that's, uh, and, you know, just, just on that working in our relationship, I think most of the time, if not all of the time, we have a really honest and open relationship with each other. I think that I think that's the mo- the thing that I'm most proud of that I can tell you anything about my past, how I stole money as a as an altar boy. Now the world knows. How. There's a couple of, so that wait. There's a couple of things with defining the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is when you deeply, authentically tell the truth. Mm-hmm. There's no judgment behind it. Mm-hmm. There's no. Uh, maliciousness or manipulation from the person it. telling the truth yes from the person telling the truth there's no judgment mm-hmm. it's i had a dream about my ex i had a dream about the french guy mm. and it's not trying to did manip- you have a dream about the french guy you didn't <laughs> tell did me not. about that it's the first time i'm hearing about this one no but that show is really good oh, you're watching the french yes show. yes i'm okay. watching the french show yes on netflix <laughs> yeah mm. um you know, there's no – I'm not trying to manipulate you in any way by telling you the truth, mm. like feel sorry for me mm-hmm. or complaining to you mm-hmm. because the truth, like I was saying to you and what I'm trying to practice is telling the truth without sounding like a complaint because yep. I'm not wanting to complain mm. but I also want to learn how to communicate the truth without it being – having this like undertone of do something about it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I mean, insecure, so do I mean, it's, about it's it. really funny because I do something with you every morning and I'll send you through my schedule and on my calendar, I send Carrie. I always, uh, this, this past week, actually, I've just sent you my schedule and the reasons why I send you my schedule and this is what I'll screenshot on Google calendar and I'll send that across to Carrie. I call this the modern man method, kind of just planning out your day in time blocks and chunks, it's just the daily plan. And I sent this to you on Monday and uh, why I believe in doing this is because I want to make sure that I, I spend enough time with Ocean. I spend about six and a half, seven hours a day at any given time with you and O, uh, or O, uh, just just to make sure that I'm there with, with her, make sure that I can grow up with her. What was your initial thought on Monday when I sent that to you? Mm. First thing on a Monday morning, I get a text, the only text, which is, good morning, this is my schedule. Okay, and then there's the green parts, which are my parts, and I'm looking at it going, oh, what about me? What about, what about, do I want that time to be our time? You know, my so, niche, that's my. So green is, green is uh, Kerry knows, orange is kind of work time. Red is I'm going to die during that workout. See, I didn't even look at the ratios of how much time he's spending with us, what he's working on, whatever. It was literally not even happiness or anything. It was, what do I want that time to be my time? Did you consult me? Did you me? consult me? Did, I, did, like, did you even ask me when I could put that time in? So that was my ego that just reacted to it. And then as I sat back, I didn't even, I still didn't, hadn't looked at what is my time and what is not my time. I was like, wow. I really appreciate the boundary. Like, yeah, there's there's a boundary, and I think something that's worked extremely well for me is 
putting in the boundary to let you know. Yeah, because it's the intent of presence. When you're working, you're working. When you're spending time, you're spending time with us. And one thing that I know that in the past I've always been afraid of is when he's present with us, does he need to do work? Does he like these are, Does he these have are it sorted? genuine questions? Is he thinking in my about mind. work? Is he thinking about his new uh, project that he's working on, his email series? Does he need files? to yeah, yeah. Does he need to go and chat with the team? Does he need to mm. spend more time on the sales letter? Has he finished? But at the same time, I'm too afraid to tell him and to actually give him a stress that perhaps he didn't have. Mm. So I'm just sitting there just worrying, anxious. Yeah. <laughs> Until I then later blow up because now, now it's dragged up for three or four hours. We're having so much fun and then I'm feeling all anxiety and stress because Too much fun. I, I, don't, I don't know what's happening and, and it's all confused. And so this has kind of saved my life because I've had moments in time when I haven't had it. You know the and, contrast. And, and I, I have times when I'm so solid with it and I know the contrast. And it's, it's the thing that um, your other flavor of the month, Jocko, talks about discipline equals freedom and having that discipline to put in people are so afraid when I tell people that they need to set up a daily plan on their calendar they're so afraid to do this especially business owners who run their own business because they don't like structure they don't like routine they don't like rules they want I mean, to work they're the working for themselves because yeah. they don't want someone else to tell them they what don't to want do, rules. which they is don't, they don't want, they Google don't want rules. calendar I, telling them what to do I get it and I, it's scary as well but when you run something, something and you want to uh, do as much as possible in every area, which is me being as present as possible with you and O, me working, because right now when I'm spending seven time, seven, seven hours a day with you and O, I've got seven hours to sleep. That's 14 hours. And then I've got 10 hours to do the rest of the other stuff that I need to do, aka procrastinate, go on YouTube, watch soccer. And then do some work and then have team meetings and then have everything else around that. When 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 you're not when you can't focus intentionally with presence, that time drifts away from you. And so that's my indicator to allowing me to know, okay, wait, did I get my shit done today? Or like it's a direct going, Lynn, you didn't follow the plan. So you gotta pay the price. And so it's like it and it helps me just focus more and more and more. And it's kind of like it's 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 a bumper it's a bumper cart hmm. something that as well ocean has allowed me to see is there is a flow in a schedule as well which at the very beginning we we're talking about her schedule even though it's not it's not specifically she wakes up at 11:30 she then feeds at 1:30 it's not as german time as to the minute the schedule is the same. It's not as restrictive as to the minute Correct. going, hey, honey, I have a meeting with you at 12.00 and Ocean is with me at 12.30.00. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not as rigid as that. Not at and all. And I think, Not yeah. at all. I, use it, I used to think it was rigid and it totally. would scare the fuck out yes. of me. I was and like, oh, my God, was, it would create more panic. That, I think that was my initial spiral. Right. Which was, oh my God, what if Ocean doesn't wake up at that What if that she time? doesn't wake up she, at 11 I can't put her on schedule. Mm, correct. <laughs> like with me, it's, it's kind of like I'm going to reshuffle things. But at the end of the day, I'll look at all these things and ask myself, did I get it done? Mm. And if things need to be moved, then things will be moved around. Mm. But it's giving me that reminder of my outcomes for the day. 
I got to spend time with you and O. I got to do my workout. I got to do my modern man workout. I love it. I think every man in a woman's life should have it and should be sending it to the woman every single morning. Correct. Because the woman needs to know what the man's doing. The man needs to keep himself accountable. Uh, and, And I think the hardest part about being a man, we'll talk about being a woman, I think, in our next episode. But I think the hardest part is is being able to juggle family and 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 business without feeling like, oh my God, I, my work's taking away from my family. My family's taking away from my work. That's the hardest thing that I've felt having you and O because I don't, I don't want to go back to work when O's laughing with me. I'm like, I want to stay here more. I just wish I, wish I didn't have to work. Yet at the same time, there comes a price when I don't focus on work. Yet, at, and and that price comes with my own internal dissatisfaction for myself. That comes at a price with money and finances. Yep, exactly. What's what's the biggest balance and the juggle? I mean, that's from a man's perspective: being able to juggle family and, and work, and 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 feeling like the two can actually coexist together and not take away from each other. What's what's the female's biggest struggle? I think it's more emotional. Uh-huh. I think it's the presence. And this is why I respect this so much because now I know he's going into intent with his day to be present at specific times with Ocean and I. And like I was sitting in the past worrying about his work and worrying about whether or not he should be working, I don't have to worry about that anymore. And that emotional presence that you give to us mm-hmm. is, it just makes me respect a schedule mm-hmm. so much. And it's that, it's the balance of respecting your boundaries because uh-huh. when you work and I'm like, oh, but what about playing at the park because it's sunny? Yeah. I respect that as well. And I go, yeah, he does need to work. This, the business is his baby. What do you think the biggest struggle for mum is when she has a baby? Or what, what's been the biggest struggle for you kind of balancing? You know, for me, it's it's figuring out how, how do I spend time with my family and, and be super present because I know that O is never going to be 11 months again. Mm. And she's never going to make some of the squeal noises that she makes or the smiles or the laugh that she gives to me. Being able to soak that in as much as I can and know that it's that it's not there forever. And that's what makes me appreciate it so much. But at the same time, going, wow, I've I've got a I've got a business to build, I've got an empire to build that I want to build. That's that's my struggle. What is a mother's struggle with herself and her own identity and her children and her husband and what what is that for you? I think I think going into the role of a mother, particularly for me, who I would have said was quite a career driven woman, career-driven girl, Mm. I picked up a role of life that I had no clue about and I didn't really have a role of a mother in my life growing up. My mom was always more of a career woman, the entrepreneur. She was working all the time. So I I had that notion of, of a role, but I kind of fell into a housewife in, if I if I could put it that mm-hmm. way, because I was staying at home, mm-hmm. COVID. I'm we've yep. always worked from home mm-hmm. as well, so naturally I've just kind of fallen into being a housewife, mm-hmm. a mum. 
working out my relationship with you because I had lots of downstairs issues with recovery Mm -hmm. and the intimacy had to kind of be very slow in that rebuilding phase Mm -hmm. and finding time as well because Mm -hmm. of the way that we parent Ocean for our connection. Mm -hmm. This hour is literally the only hour of our lives that we're not with Ocean. Mm -hmm. And so for me it's juggling, balancing, prioritising, working out how to to be all these roles – in the greatest way. Yeah. Because I want to be great in all of yeah. them. Juggling. In my own way, that is like I want to define what great is. Yep. And w- that requires so much communication as well. Because if I say housewife, immediately you, you, me, we all have a definition in our minds mm. of what the housewife does. Mm. The role, the description, the responsibilities. Yeah. I think I, I definitely think it's a juggle between your family and finding yourself. Mm. Oh, like, yeah, and then amongst like, all of it, who is Carrie? Like, who's Carrie? Like, tr- yeah. trying to figure out yourself. I think the thing, especially for a female who who takes on the role and responsibility as a mother and a housewife, and a housewife is beautiful. Like, a housewife is a, a great thing uh, because it's 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 the the rock of the family. Mm-hmm. You know, whilst I'm trying to figure out business and, and my presence with the family, she's trying to support me Um by being this incredible woman who who is able to help me be the rock uh, for me, so I think the biggest, my, from my perspective, the biggest challenge for you is, you know, balancing the housewife, the mother, the wife, and then yourself finding your own identity because oh, and Kbot is long gone. Like yeah, Kbot Kbot died K-Bot, <laughs> in childbirth. She, she, ain't, she ain't doing any more crossfit. That's for sure. Oh hell no! <laughs> but with that being said, what what I might do is. Uh, we might save these conversations and the struggles for the man and the struggles for the female inside of our next podcast episode. Kbot, is there anything you'd like to add before we wrap up this beautifully, beautifully orchestrated set? I know how beautiful it is, it, guys. And, and listen to the depth of the microphone. So what we realized just as a reflection, because I want modern parenting to also be the journey of what you see as a studio, what you see as the future business of ours, what you see as me as a coach, him as a coach, him as a father, me as a mother, all, all of that. We we saw the audio, well, we listened to the audio of the last two episodes and we were like, we really have to up our game. So hopefully this ups our game a hundred times. Yeah. Um, the backlighting, he's spent all morning moving things around in this room. Like I'm super, super proud of him and super, super Super, super pleased. Amazing. Happy with the lighting. Setting. I love it. Love I don't it. care if you love it, to be honest. <laughs> we'll make it better every week. We'll figure out how to make it better. I think that's the thing. Uh, yeah. It's, 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 it's never about perfection, but it's progression. And, and look, I if think, we were talking about per- perfection, I don't think we would have ever started this podcast. No. No, because I, I've got a couple of topics that we haven't even talked about. But we'll talk about them in... <laughs> Years but they won't be now. trending anymore so no. <laughs> with that being said thanks so much for tuning in guys and girls have a wonderful day night wherever you're listening and watching this from comment down below let us know what your thoughts are from this and uh we'll see you on the next podcast and very lastly thank you ocean for being a light and our guide that's it thank you ocean have a great day night guys bye-bye